0: This is the beginning of a new series for four weeks. And I want to begin this way. Let me ask you this Have you noticed that often you find what you're looking for? Uh, That the story you're telling yourself in your head is the story that you find support for as you're living your life. This is called confirmation bias. It's almost like the story you believe in your heart and your mind is like a highlighter. And wherever you go, you find circumstances, and your story is a highlighter that highlights those examples that you're seeing. For instance, let's talk roundabouts here in Cedar Falls, shall we? Now, I'm, with, I'm friends with two completely different groups of people. One group of people I'm in contact with really approve of and enjoy roundabouts, The story they tell themselves is that roundabouts have been a huge improvement to University Avenue. Roundabouts are progress and make for smooth, easy driving, and everywhere they look, they find support for their story. Every time they drive down university, they're highlighting things that say, hey, roundabouts are nice. There's another group of people. Every time they drive down university, what they highlight is, this is a problem. Now. I I want to talk to you about confirmation bias. So the other day I leave my grandson off at Pete Junior High and I come out and I'm coming to a roundabout and I almost have a crash with a pickup. Now if I'm in one group of people, it's the darn roundabout. I knew they weren't safe. I knew they were a problem. I knew they cause accidents almost. But if I'm in the other group, which I kind of am, it's like this is not a roundabout problem. This is a Dave driving distracted problem. He's been driving distracted for 50 years. (laughs) This has nothing to do with roundabouts. Do you see how there's a confirmation bias at work there? So I'm in a subway in Boston, Massachusetts, a couple weeks ago. It's uh, on the afternoon when there's a playoff game for the Red Sox, so we get on the subway train, and I mean, it's just packed, jammed. There's people speaking three different languages near me, and it all depends on my story. If my story is cities are, are... You're to be afraid of them and anxious, and there's pickpockets everywhere. If that's the story I'm telling myself, I'm in there, I'm going, whoa, this is scary. How am I going to know where to get off? But that's not the story I tell myself. The story I tell myself, and I look for confirmation bias, which I didn't even realize this until later, is like every city is filled with kind, generous, helpful people. So I'm in this subway car and I'm like being jostled and my wife and my son are with me and we're we're doing all this and then I notice a 17 or 18 year old girl barely can stand up because an old guy came into the car. No, it was not me. I mean old. And she stands up and gives him her seat and my highlighter goes kind, generous, helpful. Helpful. So now, two weeks later, what am I thinking about the subway? Unsafe? Anxious? Fearful? No! I'm thinking it was filled with kind, generous, helpful people. My son and I take a train into New York, the first time we're ever in New York. We get off the train, and we're standing on a corner, and obviously anyone looking at us would know we're completely lost, and we have no idea how to live in New York. Kind, generous person, lady, native of New York, comes up and says, Dave! Uh, she didn't know my name. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't a relative or anything. <laughs> Can we help you? Navy Pier, Chicago. I told you I have these stories for every city. Navy Pier, Chicago. I've got my GPS phone out. I'm, I'm going to Navy Pier, and then on the way back to my hotel, uh, it goes dead. My phone runs out of juice. Now, I'm in downtown New York, uh, Chicago, at night, I have no clue where I am, and I barely know the name of my hotel. So what do you do? I do what every thoughtful person would do. I go up to a taxi cab driver, and I say, sir, sir, could you help me get to such and such a hotel? And he goes, I could, sir. I could put you in the cab and charge you a fare, but it's right over there. (laughs) (laughs) Kind, helpful, generous people. Here's the deal. No one's objective. No one's passive. No one doesn't have a story. You always bring an interpretive grid to our view of ourselves and others and God. Our reactions are not shaped by the facts of our experience alone, but by the way we interpret the facts. The gospel of Jesus is intended to be a life-altering story an interpretive grid that followers of Jesus, like we take God's story and we make it a part of our story and it changes how we see the world. This is what the Apostle Paul meant when he said in Colossians, um, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let God's story and what God believes impact, infect, influence what you whisper to yourself every day because you and I all day long we're whispering stories to ourselves. Now, this series is about and, and it's true in the area of forgiveness or loving your enemies or or getting a healthy self-concept it's true in all these areas in November we're, we're talking about what is God's story which should impact my story about my money my stuff what is God's story and am I letting it influence me so what's your story is your story that you whisper to yourself every morning and then you highlight things in your life I never have enough I need more to be happy Is that your story? Or is your story impacted by God? God has blessed me, and he's meeting every need I have. I've never been hungry. I've never not been able to feed my kids. Which is your story? Or is your story, it's my money, I earned it, I will use it, and I will choose what I want to do with it? Or is it God has provided for me my money and every good gift? In my life, including my resources, which I'm called to manage for him. Or is your story that you whisper to yourself, I need my money far more than a church with a $2.6 million budget. I need my money more than a church the size of this one doing as well as this one is. I need my money. Now, here's the crazy part. I believe this is true. It's probable that the uh, two, two families could live in exactly the same situation, exactly the same uh, house, with exactly the same income, exactly the same expenses, and one family would go, we never have enough. We can't keep up with the Joneses. We're always short. And another family would go, in exactly the same house, exactly the same income, exactly the same expenses would be. We are so blessed. God has been generous with us. We are able to do uh, so many of the things we had hoped and dreamed of. Same house, same income, same expenses. What's different? The story they're whispering to themselves. So what we're hoping for four weeks is that we would let the story that God has change what you whisper in your head during uh, the coming days. And uh, my story, getting my personal money story aligned with God's story, has brought me so much peace, has brought me so much joy, has brought me, uh, 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 it's been one of the great parts of my life when I let God's principles of saving and giving and keeping our spending under our income, it, it adds peace to me. And so um, I'm hoping that will happen for you as we, for four weeks, try to line up your story, what you're whispering to yourself. So first story, I'm going to share just two things Jesus said. One is a story he experienced, and one is a story he told. And then we're going to see if we can adjust the whisper in your head about money and materialism. So the first story is from Mark chapter 12. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. This was a big deal. People would carry their money up to the wall of the temple. And uh, many rich people threw in large amounts of money. In fact, it wasn't just they threw in large amounts. They would have slaves carry buckets of money up to the side of the wall, and they would have a horn blower blow their horn, da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da, because here's a big gift for the temple. But a poor widow came and put in, snuck in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Jesus calling his disciples to him, said, Truly, I tell you guys, listen up. Change your story. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. What story is Jesus telling? What is this about? How do I adjust the whisper in my head with this? Well, I've got uh, four things I want to pull out of this story to just ask you, what's your story? How does this story from the life of Jesus inform our story? One, God sees things differently than we do. If I was standing there with Jesus and somebody said, hey, who put in the most money? It's an easy answer. The guy with the servants and the buckets. The guy with the horn, he put in the most money. Jesus goes, Dave, your, your whisper and your story is wrong. It's wrong, the two pennies with the widow. Jesus would say to me, you got your story wrong. You don't understand how the kingdom works. Two pennies given in sacrifice is more than bucket loads of money uh, given without sacrifice. Number two, Jesus would say everybody's an important part of the mission this is one of the beautiful parts of the church that I love. Did you realize you could be sitting? Uh, we could have a row of people here. And um, one, one person's income could be $5,000 and another fifty, dollars and another five hundred, dollars And they each give their tithe. They each give their percentage of what God would like them to give. And Jesus says, it's all the same. It doesn't matter what resource level you're at. Everybody gets to be an equal part of the game. You know what's so exciting about the widow? She gets to help the temple. Number three, Jesus tells her why it's more, tells his disciples why it's more. Kingdom work is measured in sacrifice. In Malachi chapter 1, the Lord writes through Malachi... In the Old Testament of the Scriptures, don't you dare give God your scraps. Don't you dare give God your scraps. Don't do it. Which is really saying, give back to God beyond what is comfortable for you to give. If you're giving at a comfortable level, which doesn't cost you anything, you're like the guy with buckets of money. But if you're actually giving at a level which causes a little sacrifice, because that's how the kingdom measures it. And this is a challenge for all of us. Number four, there's a spiritual nature to our giving. This is a, I, I don't even get this exactly. But I do know if you are a member of Orchard or if you call Orchard your spiritual home, then it matters spiritually that you choose to give. Lynn and I, we're changing incomes, right? So they were having this celebration and I'm transitioning to a different role here and uh, not on paid staff anymore. So our income's going to go down. We're prepared. It's fine. Uh, Our story is God's led us every inch of our lives. He's going to keep leading us and all that. And it's not a problem. But our income's going to go down. So then we're tempted. How is our giving going to be affected to the church? And percentage-wise, are we going to be able to hold up to where we were? And I tell you, it's a spiritual issue that's important to my heart and to the ministry of this church, what I do in that moment, even though our dollars and cents are closer to the widows than the rich guys. Here's the deal. It really matters spiritually for us. And. Uh, what you do with your giving to the church is not so much about the dollars and cents on the check or the digital transmission. Um, It really matters. So if you've been telling yourself that your sacrificial giving of dollars to a church with a budget of 2.6 million doesn't really matter and God doesn't notice, you've been telling yourself the wrong story. It really matters. And God does notice. And he blesses through the church and in the church because of your sacrificial giving. Okay, second story. Hang with me here. I know some of you didn't come to talk about money. And he told them this parable. This is Jesus. He's telling a story. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. Oh, I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. You know what that says to me? He's having an American retirement. <laughs> plenty in the barn. We'll build bigger barns. And now we're going to sit back and throw beach balls around and go golfing. But God said to him, You fool. God doesn't say this very often in the scriptures, but when he does, I always take notice. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Okay, first thing I want to say right off. There is nothing wrong with thoughtfully storing up things for yourself. Bigger barns is not the problem. I hear this. The problem Jesus is talking about is not bigger barns. A 401k that is well funded is no problem. A plan to take care of yourself from age 70 to 90 is no problem. I would say even it's good stewardship. A strong portfolio is not a problem good investments is not a problem if you have resources that is not a bad thing in fact if you have resources it's a good thing the problem is what building those barns preparing for the future without being rich towards god the barns aren't the problem the 401k isn't the problem the portfolio isn't the problem The problem is, if you're moving there without being rich towards God, Jesus calls this person a fool. In fact, Jesus actually surrounded himself with some very wealthy people who funded his mission. I don't know if you know this, but if you actually study who traveled with Jesus during his three years of traveling, he had some very rich people with him, and some of those were rich women and wives from the Roman Empire, and they provided the money so that he could travel and teach and sacrifice. They had resources, and they were rich towards God. So what do I want to say in this story? What what do I want to change your whisper maybe to yourself in this story? Number one, your security will never be found in the size of your barn. Please hear this. I don't care how much money you have. Five million, ten million, fifty million. I don't care if you win the billion dollar lottery. Security is not found in money. It never has been, and it never will be. In fact, there are some studies that the richer you are, the more insecure you are. Think of some rich dudes you know. Security is found in your relationship with Jesus. I have never once been at the death, deathbed of a person, and he wanted to talk about his money. I have never. You know what he wants to talk about? She wants to talk about her relationship with God through Jesus. That's where security comes. So your security will never be found in the size of your barn or your 401k or anything like that. Number two, this is, this is hard on us at Orchard. It is hard for those of us afflicted with affluence to be rich towards God. It requires strong sacrificial giving beyond scraps. It's hard for Lynn and I to give enough that actually hurts causes sacrifice it's hard for some of you to give that much and some of us need to continue to write large checks and make good digital transfers so that we definitely are in the sacrificial part of this giving number three your resources are a story of god's grace i've taught this story of the rich dude like three or four times, and for the first time this week, I saw this part. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. You know what that says? His resources came because God had given him good ground. Now, hear this. Many of you, your resources came because God gave you a good mind or a healthy body. Or a good family, or you were born in a free country, or somehow you got a great education. Those are gifts from God that your resources are built on. So who's the source of your resources? It's God. God's the source of your resources, and they're a story of his grace. And that means you and I are stewards, managers of his stuff. Every good gift in your life is a resource to be stewarded by God. These baptism parents, we baptized one of the greatest gifts given to your family ever. That baby. That baby's a gift from God to be stewarded, cared for, loved, raised for Him. Same is true with your money. Same is true with your time. So here's the question. Which of these ideas or concepts from Jesus do you need to make part of what you whisper to yourself every day do you need to adjust your whisper in that everything I have is from God do you need to adjust your whisper of it really does matter spiritually to God whether I keep giving do you need to understand clearly uh, that two pennies really matter i don't know what it is but i do know this your whisper will be the highlighter that will tell you whether you're going confirmation bias going the right way or not now i i, I want to uh, say a couple things uh different things uh those of you visiting this is okay this is more of an insider four minute piece but if you're visiting one of the things i'm always interested in churches is how they actually use their money and uh, you can tell a lot about people in a church by how they use their money. So you're going to, those of you a part of Orchard, you're going to get a letter this week about our church budget. And I want to highlight three things you might not notice. So number one, we have a slide for this. This is how in the past 12 months we've spent our money. Ministry support 13%. That's what we do to support our ministries. That's like Bibles we give, camp scholarships, you know, diapers for the nursery, whatever we need around here. Strategic mission beyond our walls, that's like uh, Mozambique, Haiti, Walnut neighborhood, 15% of our total dollars. Our facility costs, 16% of our total dollars. You know, that's our mortgage, that's painting this room this year, that's putting some more concrete out on the muddy driveways. Staff salaries, 56%. Uh, that's we pay our people, we're in the people business, so it takes people to energize teams and volunteers, and that's where it goes. So if you look at the chart, it's 3.3 million dollars. That's how much this congregation gave to the mission of Orchard last year. Some of it came in pennies, and some of it came in buckets. But God wants us to know it's all important. And so uh, when I get this, and Lynn and I are deciding where to give, uh, and you know most of our giving goes to the church, and I would recommend you, that should be true of you too, um, we, we can feel great about this because how it's used. Number two, I want to talk about the role of our general fund. 2.6 million is what we call the general fund. And here's the part I think people are missing. They're missing that the general fund is the foundation of everything we do. Are you excited about our Tripi ministry and reaching young girls? Are you excited about the four vacation Bible schools we had last summer? Are you excited that our worship team goes and helps other churches get worship going? Are you excited about what's happening at Wartburg because we have a campus at Waverly or what's happening in Dyke New Hartford High School or Rhinebeck High School because our youth directors aren't just here but they're other places? Are you excited about any of those things? If you are, you need to support our general fund. Because that's the foundation upon you which we do everything. And we think of it as electricity and uh, utilities, and we think of it as, you know, but it's foundation and it's important. Uh, number three. Third thing I want to say before I pray. As a church, we are two things. I think frugal in our budget. Uh, We try to find bargains. We probably operate as frugally. In fact, if we err, it's probably we're too frugal. Sometimes we are frugal. At the same time, we're missionally aggressive. You understand that? So we're frugal on the one hand. We're uh, we're trying to keep our uh, get our jobs done as cheaply as we can. We get bids. We have volunteers help. We, we're frugal. We, uh, we, we, we do our offices out of, like, goodwill. I mean, we we, uh, we do a lot of things to be frugal. But at the same time, we're missionally aggressive. So a new campus, it costs some money to get Waverly going. But we're going to pay the money. It costs some money to build the building in Grundy. We're going to build it frugally, but it's going to cost because we're aggressive. We, we want to make a difference. And so uh, those are two things we are. One of the reasons we publish our staff highest salary package. That'll be in the notes you're going to get this week. It's about $85,000. That's our highest salary package. Is because we need you to know that our staff are on mission together with us and that most of our staff take a cut to come to work for us. And we're okay with that because we're on a mission. And if we're going to ask widows to give two pennies, And if we're going to ask those inflicted with affluence to give more, then the staff and the organization has to do its part. Every one of you is telling yourselves lots of stories. They're whispering in your head. And they're there. And even if the only thing you got out of this teaching was, what's my story? What's my story? It would be worth it. And if there's some principle from God that you could, like, go, I need to adjust my story a little bit, then do it. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening so intently. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to continue to sing and worship. Let's pray together. Dear God, you have blessed us. You've been generous with us. You've been actually extravagant with us. And it's a, uh, something that we need to adjust our story to be very grateful for our health, our families, our freedoms, and our resources. Dear God, help us as we try to bring your story into our story. Help us uh, see what we can do and help us give ourselves grace. Help us uh, see how much you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.